This is Partners in Practice, a weekly series dedicated to the evolving field of the advanced practice clinician. Here is your host physician assistant, Lisa DeAndre Linnell. It was October 2007 when the PA show made its national debut on ReachMD Radio. For 100 shows, we've had the privilege of covering the practice issues and the people that define the physician assistant profession. As we celebrate our 100th show, we are also launching our new series, Partners in Practice, dedicated to all advanced practice clinicians. And I'm excited to say you are listening to Partners in Practice on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, your host, and with me today is Michael Gurchewski. For over 13 years, Mike has been the editor of the journal Advance for Physician Assistance, an independent source for PA information. And we're happy to have him here today as we go back through the PA show vault and revisit some of the PA topics and the guests that have shared their thoughts with us through the years. Hi, Mike. Welcome to our 100th show on ReachMD. Well, thank you very much, Lisa. Glad to be here and congratulations. Thank you. So, Mike, you and I met shortly after the PA show began when I attended the AAPA conference in San Antonio, Texas. And I was walking down the hall and you approached me and you asked if I would take a picture with you. And being a big fan of Advance, I knew who you were, but I was absolutely stunned that you wanted to take a picture with me. And then you turned to me and you said, we love what you're doing, and we've been your biggest fans since the first show. All true. All true. I walked away from you, and I was inspired and completely energized, and I promptly fell down the stairs and broke my arm. <laughs> Luckily, there were a few healthcare providers around, I think, that uh, could have helped you out. Eight, nine, ten thousand. <laughs> and they did, and they all took me to the hospital. But some things remain constant, and that is my lack of gracefulness and the perpetual changes of the PA profession. So I'd like today just to talk about some of those changes, and I'm going to pick my favorite, which is PA specialization. We've recorded many shows on this topic. So fill us in on what the current status of specialization in the PA profession is today? It has been an area traditionally in the PA profession that has been one of those areas that have been in constant flux throughout the profession's history. And there are still big changes on the way. There have been some big changes recently. It is something that I think PAs need to keep their eyes on. I'm not even sure most PAs know just how much the changes that have been made to and that are coming to the certification process, specialization, all of those things, I don't think they realize just how much this is going to transform or has the potential to transform the PA profession. So when you talk about PA specialization, there are two schools of thoughts in this, as people have been pointing out in the profession for years, and that's that the PA route, certainly, as you've talked to Victor Mino, you've talked to some of the early PAs, you've talked to some of the policymakers who have been around for a while, and the PA profession in the early days certainly was one that was designed to meet a need in primary care. It wasn't necessarily one that was envisioned as being a super specialist profession uh, in any way. But times have changed, and that's fine. It's just part of the natural progression of time. Right now, as far as specialization goes, really, there's two things that are going on. One of them is that there are changes to the certification process vis-a-vis specialization, but also there is a trend, of course, of PAs into specialties, which that certification process is keeping up with. Well, let's talk about that specialization for a second. Talk a little bit about the difference between, I'm going to have a couple guests here, Jim Colley, and recently we had Christy Lennox, two completely different PAs from different backgrounds and different goals and specializations. Can you kind of compare and contrast what's happening between the current PAs and the PAs that have been around for a while and set these standards? 
Sure, absolutely. And that's something that we've talked about here at Advance for quite some time, is that it's almost as if there are two professions. And the one profession is, say, PAs that graduated before, oh, let's just say the late 80s, the early 90s. And then there's the other profession, the new profession, that is comprised of the people who have graduated in the 90s and the 2000s now. There are really two professions that have developed. There's the Jim Colley profession, and this is, I have all the respect in the world for both Jim Colley and for Christy Lennox. Both of these people are wonderful PAs. They're great at what they do. Their perspectives are equally as valid. Christy Lennox, who's a PA who is in aesthetic medicine and is really a dynamo who has almost single-handedly taken the Aesthetic Extender Symposium, which she runs, and transformed it into something that is a model for PA groups to follow in terms of how you bring across information about a new specialty. Jim, on the other hand, has been a PA since the earliest days, and uh, he has been seen as an expert for quite a few years. He has a long resume of activity at the uh, highest levels of the profession, at NCCPA, at AAPA, and more. These two folks really demonstrate the notion to me that the PA profession is a certain way, and then the PA profession is thought of in another way. That's to say that there's the PA profession that is, the one we're working with today, and I think Christy represents that quite well. And there's the PA profession that ought to be, and that's the world I think that Jim Colley lives in. I think the key is making these two worlds meet. Jim Colley, in a number of his writings, he uh, has lamented that the profession has trended away from primary care and towards specialization. And I'm not going to speak for Jim, but in his writings, I don't think he is a big fan of the further specialization of the PA profession. Christy, on the other hand, is a super subspecialist. She is specifically involved in aesthetic medicine, and that's it. Specialization isn't a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It just is. And that's something that I think a lot of PAs need to get their minds around. A lot of the general public needs to get their minds around. Well, these two worlds are certainly colliding now with PA certification, recognition, credentialing. This is something the NCCPA has 360. One day they're saying one thing, six months later they're saying something else. And the Christies and the Jims are looking for different things, and the NCCPA is trying to satisfy the two worlds of PAs, but also working for the consumers and other medical groups, et cetera. Can you kind of explain the role of the NCCPA and what's happening? Are we certified? Are we recognized? Are we credentialed? What are we? That's a good two-part question. The first one is the role of the NCCPA. I do get a lot of feedback from readers who think that the NCCPA is either working in their best interest and they say, this is great, we need this, and this is great that these folks at the NCCPA are looking out for PAs. Of course, I get the other side of the coin, too, where PAs say, this is a terrible decision and the NCCPA is not working in my best interest. I think first, addressing the role of the NCCPA, the NCCPA is really not an advocacy group for PAs. This is a group uh, that is entrusted with protecting the public Physicians are high on the list of stakeholders, not necessarily PAs. I mean, PAs are part of that, but their main mission, if you will, is not to do what's best for the PA profession. It's to do what's best for medicine and the public. There's a little bit of a misunderstanding, I think, at some level about what the NCCPA actually does for PAs. Having said that, they have really made a lot of significant changes in the last few years to the PA certification question, the first of which is they are recognizing that PAs are increasingly moving into specialties. This is a fact of life. Again, the profession that is, not the profession that ought to be. NCCPA has acknowledged this, and they said, we are going to come up with a PA specialty credential, a voluntary PA specialty credential. That word's important because all along, as you said, they've done some uh, U-turns over the years. Uh, They've said one thing one year, and the next year it may be a little bit different. But The specialty credential or certification is now here. Now, initially, the NCCPA had been, along with the AAPA, have been talking about it as a recognition, not really something that's going to be a certification or credentialing. 
Now the NCPA has just kind of dropped the term recognition and they've gone with credentialing. That is an interesting choice because it may seem like a semantic difference, but I know that words are important, especially for the NCCPA. They don't just throw around words without thinking about them. And I think the certification slash credential in place of this recognition is a significant change because the NCCPA is a certification body. It's not a recognition body. And that's really where the rubber meets the road. It's not uh, something that is going to be soft recognition. This is going to be a credential, something that a PA can hang on his or her wall and say, I'm credentialed in my specialty. And that's real important when you're talking about the physician assistant in relationship to the physician, to the healthcare organization that he or she works for, and and to the public. The public understands when a professional of any kind is certified or credentialed as opposed to recognized. So that's one thing that the NCPA has done. They've come up with a new specialty certification process, and they're calling it that, and it's going to be introduced uh, as early as next year. PAs are now going to be able to take a voluntary PA specialty exam and get a credential in one of five specialties that the NCPA has identified for this process. It's a game changer. This has not happened before. I mean, you can point to the surgical experiment uh, years ago with the gold star and all that. I'm sure a lot of people remember that. This is different. This is a, a watershed moment. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Partners in Practice on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and today we're celebrating the PA Show's 100th broadcast with Michael Gruchowski, the editor of Advance for Physician Assistance. And we're looking back at some of the topics and guests from the past 100 shows. So, Mike, we're talking about the NCCPA. We're talking about the changes in credentialing. And now I'd like to talk about the recertification cycle. So I was at the House of Delegates last year, and this had absolutely no support from the NCCPA. And now they're saying they would like to support it less than a year later. What's your take on that? And is it going to happen? It is going to happen. I'm quite certain that we are going to move to a 10-year maintenance of certification cycle, is now what we're calling it. That brings the language of uh, certification in line with the physician world. And I think that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about the NCCPA aligning its The way it talks about the process and the way the process looks, it's aligning it with the physician world, which, of course, makes sense for PAs. And it's also about recognizing, as we just talked about, the increasing specialization that the PA profession is experiencing. PAs are increasingly in specialties. And for the first time in a long time, a few years ago, the balance went away from family practice and general care, uh, general medicine, internal medicine, to specialties. So it is going to go to 10 years. I think there's a couple reasons why the NCCPA went this way. One of them is they have introduced this new specialty certification process. That's going to entail a test. It's going to entail studying. It's going to entail a procedure that either runs parallel to or dovetails with the current recertification exam. Having said that there's going to be a specialty certification, a voluntary specialty certification, there's still going to be a general test. There's still going to be a general PANRI every so often. Now, if you move that to 10 years, I think it better accommodates this new specialty process that's going to be overlaid on top of the current model of PA recertification and maintenance of certification. You said that last year there was, uh, in the AAPA House of Delegates, there was very little support for this. I think there was support for it from some of the PAs who got up and spoke. I do agree that the NCCPA for years has said, you know, look, the six-year cycle ensures to the public and to the healthcare community that PAs are uh, keeping up to date with their continuing education, that they're committed to continuing competence, and that they have, in some ways, more rigorous standards than even their physician colleagues because they recertify every six years rather than every 10 years. You know, on the other side of that, that's a two-sided coin. The other side is that, well, the public may turn around and say, well, what is it about PAs and PA education and their clinical abilities that requires them to retest so often just to stay certified? 
So I think that the NCCPA has recognized now that there is a world out there in which PAs are practicing in specialties. The world out there also is set up as a 10-year cycle for physicians to recertify. I shouldn't say recertify, I should say board certify. And by the way, that's a key distinction between what PAs do and what physicians do. We can compare the PA process of certification to physicians till the end of time, but it's not the same. Physicians do not need to take a test to continue to practice. PAs, whether it's written into law in the state or whether it's de facto because of those other states, PAs must pass the test to maintain their practice. So essentially, it's a licensing exam. It's not technically a licensing exam, but the upshot of it is that it's a licensing exam. Physicians don't have that same model. Let's switch focus here and talk about the clinical doctorate degree. When the U.S. Army and Baylor University graduated PAs with a clinical doctorate, many felt that change was coming. But the AAPA had a summit and all talks of a doctorate degree for a terminal degree were ended, at least for that moment. What should we be prepared for? Well, I mean, I think you should be prepared for PA doctorates, clinical doctorates. As most know, there have been a few doctorate degrees available for PAs that are not clinical doctorates. The Army and Baylor really did change things when they said, it was in the Army first, and they said, we're going to send these folks to a program, as I've said before, only half-jokingly, would probably kill the average PA. I mean, this is not just studying from a book. And we're going to train them, ramp their skills up and their education up in emergency medicine and those kinds of topics. And guess what? After you graduate from the Army's program with this doctorate degree, guess where you're going? You're getting on a plane and you're going to either Afghanistan or Iraq. And so that is filling a real need. There's a need for healthcare providers in the theater of operations that exists right now in Afghanistan and Iraq and elsewhere. What you don't have here is a civilian program, and this is a key distinction I think a lot of people miss, you don't have a entry-level doctorate program in the civilian sector. This was a very specific program for a specific group of people that fit a specific need. The other side of that is, guess what? The genie is out of the bottle. We now have clinical doctorate-trained PAs. What does that mean? Right now, the folks that have graduated from the Army's program are still in the military framework. Come back to me in a few years when some of those PAs have left military practice and are back in the civilian sector. Then now we have this clinical doctorate degree PA. What do we do with this person? Kind of to me, it seems like deja vu when you're talking about a group of healthcare providers who are small in number, who are coming from a military background, who have very specifically developed skills, but there's nothing like it out there before. Kind of reminds me of the way it was back in the 60s. Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show. You're quite welcome. It was my pleasure. And I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and you've been listening to Partners in Practice on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. You've been listening to Partners in Practice on ReachMD XM160. You can download this program and any other program in our library at ReachMD.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for listening.